0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. Again, we're so glad that you're here. So if you know any uh, folks in their 20s, uh, connect them with Robert. He's got a new small group started, I think he had like 25 uh, folks in it this past week. So we'd like to grow that uh, group here at the creek. As you know, we're in the second week of our series called Jesus Changes Everything. And I'm excited that we're going to talk about um, peace be still over the next few minutes. And you know, one of the greatest preachers about Jesus uh, in our lifetime has been billy graham and we 've seen a lot about Billy Graham over the last several weeks with his passing. I mean what a, a statesman for the gospel and, I'm, uh, and what a life uh, and i 've just been uh, really proud of how the nation has honored him and how the the media has honored him over the last several weeks and you know we 've got a Stevens Creaker that works uh, in the White House uh, in the president 's detail and and uh patty was talking to his wife and he was he was tapped to uh work uh the billy graham's funeral so he was so excited about that what an honor uh to get to attend that and be a part of that and have a creaker there uh this past week i read something funny uh about uh dr graham said that when he was younger he was uh, preaching a revival and in uh, a small uh, town and he stopped and he said to a young man and said, Hey, can you tell me where the post office is? I'd like to go mail a letter. And, and the guy told him and where the post office was. And he said, Oh, by the way, I'm preaching a revival over here. He said, um, If you'll come tonight, I'll tell you how to get to heaven. He said, Well, sir, I don't believe so. You don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> well, we're going to continue our series on Jesus. You know, Jesus has changed everything. Jesus was born in an obscure stable in the backyard of an inn in Bethlehem. The, angel, the angels announced his birth local, to the local shepherds. And wise men from the east came to worship him. From the very beginning, he was no ordinary child. His birth was foretold by Jewish prophets. And he fulfilled over 50 prophecies that were written upwards to a thousand years before his birth and in this series we're we're talking about who Jesus is and and really what he came to do and if you have your your program you'll notice that there's some fill in the blanks here so if you're new to Stephen's Creek what we do is we just pull out the program and you can fill it fill in the blanks along with me so here's the first one so when you know who Jesus is you'll see who he's calling you to be. So last week, we focused on the time when Jesus went to his hometown synagogue and he announced that the, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has uh, anointed me to pr- preach the good news to the poor and the recovery of sight to the blind. And, and he's anointed me to set the captives free. And, and people connected with his message. They had never experienced teaching Like they heard when Jesus taught. No one had ever communicated with such authority. They sat on the edges of their seats, so to say, to listen to his words, to take in those words. They were transformed by his teaching. As a result of that, the crowds uh, gathered to listen and those crowds started to swell and momentum gathered behind uh, his ministry and people came from all over. That was chapter 4 we talked about, chapter 4 from the Gospel of Luke. And you'll see that momentum start to build. And then we look to chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke. And we see that today. It said a large crowd of his disciples was there. And what do we see? And a great number of people from what? All over, all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region, from Tyre Sidon, from all of them what came to hear him. And so what they were experiencing his teaching. So not only did they experience his teaching, but secondly, we see they experienced his power because they came to hear him and what? And to be healed of their diseases and troubled by imp- and uh, those who were troubled by impure spirits, they were cured uh, by, by those. And the people all tried to touch him because of this power just came out from him. And so they came to experience his teaching and to experience this power. And for the very first time in their lives, religion changed from being something they did to something they experienced. For generations, for generations, religion was something they did. They kept the laws. They attended the festivals. They performed the rituals. They did everything uh, that, that was required. But Jesus came on the scene and he changed everything. And so many times people struggle with that. People struggle with change. You and I, we struggle when things change. And I think sometimes we struggle with change because we, somewhere along the way we feel like that maybe the way we were doing things were wrong. And so when people come to change it, we we feel offended and we feel like, well, that we were doing something wrong and that's why they're changing it. But that's not the case here. For instance, this past week, I opened up my desk drawer and, and I'm maybe mildly embarrassed about this, but seriously, this is true. I opened up my desk drawer at home and I pulled out three things. This is in my desk drawer. The first thing I pulled out, this is a photo slide. Now, most of you have not ever seen this, okay? But to the older generation, in fact, I looked at this. I I actually put this on my computer screen to see what is that of? And it's kids playing in the backyard of Church of the Harvest on Old Petersburg Road, okay? And so for some reason, I had these slides of kids playing. And so they don't do slides anymore. They don't even do cameras. They don't even do film anymore, okay? And so things change. Okay, and so the next thing I pulled out, this is what they call a floppy disk. (laughs) This is a floppy disk. I have that in my desk drawer. I don't know what I'm going to do with a floppy disk. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, This will hold 1.44 megabytes of information. I remember remember a guy named Jim telling me when a floppy disk came out, he says, Marty, he said, you wouldn't believe this. You can put 1,200 Word documents on this. Who would ever need anything more than that? Who would ever need anything more? This will change the world. Do you know that selfie you took yesterday would not fit on this? Seriously, it wouldn't. Your selfie would not fit on this. And so things change. Also in my desk drawer yesterday is this. This is a cassette tape. It's me preaching. 1999. um, Charting the course. uh, And it was uh, a sermon from the school uh, when we were meeting in the school. So here's three things. I don't know. These should be in a box in my attic somewhere or in a storage unit somewhere. These should not be in my desk drawer at home. I don't know why. Maybe I'm holding on to the past and I don't want things to change. If so, I'm like a lot of you. Okay. So here's what I'm saying. Change does not always mean that what you're doing is wrong. Change could be a part of the process. A part of the process of you becoming the person that you were intended to be. Change could be a part of the process of you taking your next step. So many times we hold on to what we have and we're afraid to take that next step. I want to encourage you. Uh, To step out and do that. Jesus came to bring change. Not because of what they were doing was wrong. But because he has a better way. Jesus came to bring change. Not because what they were doing was wrong. Because he has a better way. He goes to explain this in Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. He said... Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but I've come to fulfill the law. I've not come to destroy the way you do church. I'm not here to destroy the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill it. He says, for verily I say, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle um, shall in no wise pass from the law till all fulfill. Now, one jot. Now, what is up with a jot? Okay, what's a jot? Here's what a jot is. The jot, a jot is the tenth letter of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. It is the smallest of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. A tittle is a little extension of that letter. And what he is saying is, I'm going to fulfill even the smallest letter and even the smallest extension of the letter. Do you know that was Hebrew? Do you know that when that word was translated into Greek and the New Testament was written in Greek, do you know the translation was this word, iota, You ever heard the word, not one iota? It goes back to this verse. Not one iota. Jesus said, not one iota. Okay, let's go one generation further. You ever said the words, I'm going to dot every i and I'm going to cross every t. It goes back to this verse. Jesus is saying, I'm going to dot every I, I'm going to cross every T, not one iota, not the smallest letter, not the little line over the letter. I'm going to fulfill it all. Now, aren't you glad that you came to church today? Now, that's really deep, isn't it? Say, like, "Ooh, that's deep. You're so deep today. That's true. But that's what he's saying here. Um... Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to bring change. For the first time in their lives, religion changed from something they did to something they experienced. That's what I want for you. For so many times, we have looked at church as something we do. So many of us grew up going to church and we think in our minds, oh, we check that off. I went to church this week and we just check it off the list. It's something that we do. I went to church. Boom. I'm good for the week. I went to church. I don't want church to be something that you do just to check, but I want it to be something you experience where you walk through these doors and you experience the life giving presence and the power of the Holy Spirit where you walk through these doors and you feel something that the message changes your life that when you sing that you you sense something in the room that you that uh, that you have tears uh, coming down your face and you don't know why but but there's something that touches you in a deep place maybe that you've never been touched in that deep place before and and you can't really explain it you can't you don't even have the words to explain it but you know that you leave here and you've been in the presence of the almighty Amen. I don't want church to be something that we do week after week after week. I want to come in here and I want to experience God's presence. You see, Jesus came and they were. They experienced God's word. And then they experienced God's power. And the crowd started growing and the crowd started growing. And then we dropped down to Luke chapter eight and, and the crowds were so large that they were standing by the lake. And and, um, and Jesus was teaching and they said, wait a minute, Jesus, uh, let's tie this. I want you to start teaching from the boat. And so they tied a boat um, to, the sea of Gal- uh, to a boat that is sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He stood in the boat just so that they could... Uh, uh, so that people could see him over the crowd. So this story is told in Luke 8. So last week, we talked to Luke 4, and then I just told you about Luke 6, so we're going down Luke 8. So this story that I'm going to share is told uh, in three different places in the New Testament. And so it's also told in Mark 4. And so um, this is where we're going to uh, land for a couple of minutes. The crowds are large, they're standing by the, the lake, and Jesus is teaching God is moving the present. People are just hanging on every word. This is a big day for the disciples. They see the masses. It was intense. I mean, these guys, these guys were fishermen. These guys had come. These were 12 disciples. They'd been with Jesus probably about 18 months by now. And this is one of the highlights. This was an intense day. This is a big day for them. Jesus was there. He was healing the sick. He was helping the hurting. He was listening to the lonely. He was caring for those who are suffering. And, and they were all in. They were doing everything that they could do to so that the work of the ministry could go forward. And so they were just all in. And some of you know what that feels like because you're volunteers here at Stevens Creek. And you're you're all in. You're all in every week. You're saying, I want to do whatever I can so that, you, uh, so that the work of the Lord can go forward. And I think about some big days over the last 12 months. I think about Easter when last year we had eight services and, and uh, around 4,000 people through here over a period of, of three days. And, and you were all in just trying to make that happen. And we walked away from that and said, wow, what a great win and we they like how can we ever top that and then all of a sudden Christmas Eve rolled around and then we had 3700 plus and that was just on one day and i just remember just the volunteer force here i mean it was like it was amazing how the volunteers just came together on a um, and they were just all in but you know when you finish a day like that you walk away with this huge emotional and spiritual win but then after you step away from it all that adrenaline and all that energy uh leaves you and you're spent you're tired you're worn out okay and so the disciples here they'd been in it all day long the masses were there they're ministering to all these people they were worn slapped out and jesus said these words hey you want to go across the lake you want, to, you want to get some rest? And they said, of course. They envisioned themselves uh, riding uh, in this boat across the Sea of Galilee, maybe sleeping as they rode and then resting on the other side of the lake. We pick it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat and there were also other boats with him now yesterday we had a group of 17 uh creakers that uh, returned from israel and uh they gave me this picture uh of the sea of galilee they took uh when'd you take this barclay oh, tuesday. tuesday okay this it was this Sunday was saturday, saturday? I don't know it all. <laughs> okay she just told me, I took this Tuesday. No, it was Saturday. No, I took it Sunday. That was pretty clear. Time changed Sunday with jet lag. That's what happens. It was last week. <laughs> it's Monday, right? So anyway, is that even real? That's Lake Thurman. That's not the Sea of Galilee. Google Images. They didn't even go there. (laughs) No. (laughs) But this is the Sea of Galilee. Last week, we believe. (laughs) But you see how calm it was. I would imagine that day when the disciples left to go to the other side, this is what it looked like. That everything was calm. And they were saying, now we can breathe. It's just us. It's just us. We're headed to the other side of the lake. We're going to be able to catch our breath. We're going to be able to rest. Jesus Himself, He was worn out. In fact, Jesus went below, and the Bible says He got a cushion and He just He went to sleep. And everything started out well, um, but suddenly a great storm arose, and the winds came rushing down from the mountains. And, started, and the waves started whipping and causing um, uh, havoc in that boat. In fact, verse 37 says, a furious squall. And if you look at that in the original, it says almost like a hurricane intensity. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that it was nearly swamped. I would imagine that this must have been an intense storm. Because these guys were veteran fishermen. These guys have been on this lake many, many times. These guys had seen there uh, a number of storms. They had been there. This is what they, they did. They were used to this. And for them to be scared. And for them to be there. And I would imagine that they were grabbing buckets. And I would imagine they were trying to bail out the water. And they were doing everything possible. To try to keep the the boat from going under. But then they realized they couldn't keep up. And at this moment, they thought that they were going to die. Have you ever been in a place where you had that thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Maybe you've been in a storm. Maybe you've been in a hurricane. Or maybe you've been in a tornado. Or maybe you've been in in some type of life-threatening situation. And you had that thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. If you had that fear come up over you, then you, you know exactly what they felt. Here's the point. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You may not see God, but he is there. He is with you. He's close to you, even uh, in the midst of the storm. You see, on that day, Jesus was there. He was in the boat. He, is, he was with them. And the Bible said he was fast asleep in the stern of the boat. And in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The, stip- the disciples went and woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Now, when I when I read this verse, I, in some ways I said, "Really? I mean, come on. Don't you care? I mean, isn't that a little bit childish, Peter? I mean, come on, John. Come on, don't you care?" But then I think about how many times maybe I have felt desperate before. Have you ever felt desperate? You know, when you feel desperate, sometimes you start to blame. You blame other people and maybe you blame God. Don't you care? Don't you care that my child is sick? I mean, I mean, don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care that I'm broke? Don't you care that I'm all alone? Uh, don't you care that I am desperate here? I mean, we've offered those questions time and time and time again. Let me say this. God does care. God cares. God cares just as much when the storms are raging as when the sun is shining. And the Bible says in verse 39 that Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Peace, be still. Then the winds died down and it was completely calm. Instantly. Jesus was able to bring calm and peace to the situation. And I believe he was able to do that because he had peace inside of him. He was in the storm, but he didn't let the storm get inside of him. You can be in the storm, but don't let the storm get in you. We live in a volatile world. And there's a great temptation to allow the storms to get in us. There's a great temptation to allow the ways of the world and the reactions of the world to be our, in our reactions and to be our ways. There's a great temptation to allow the drama of our friends to become our drama. But we, the church, we are called to be different. We are in the world But we are not to be of the world. We are called to be separate from the world. We are called to have a different value system. uh, Our ethics and our morals are to be different from the culture. We are in the storm. But we should not allow the storm to be in us. And I know it's tough. But you are not alone. Jesus is here to give us peace. And you see, peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is knowing that God is with you in the midst of the trouble. God is with you in the midst of the trouble. This is the message of John chapter 14 and verse 27 when he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as this world giveth Give I unto you. So do not let your hearts be troubled and neither be afraid. We have the peace of the Lord because Jesus is with us. The storm may be raging, but the master of the sea is standing there saying, peace, be still. You know, when he stood up and said, peace, be still, those disciples, they were, they were caught off guard. They said, they looked at each other. Who is this? Who is this guy that can speak to the, the winds and the waves and they obey him? Now, it is very interesting Because you see, I believe that Jesus was speaking to more than the winds and the water, okay? Jesus was speaking to the unseen forces that was stirring up the winds and the waters. And you say, Marty, why why do you say that? He rebuked the winds and the waters, right? Here's why. In Mark chapter 4, he stood up and he rebuked. He said he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. He used the Greek word epimason. Do you know that in Mark chapter 1, he used the same Greek word when he rebuked the demon in the, as he was preaching in the synagogue, the demon that was trying to disrupt his preaching. It's interesting that he used the same Greek word in Mark chapter 1 and in Mark chapter 4, which seems to indicate that he saw this as a demonic attack trying to destroy the work of God trying to destroy the ministry of Jesus, trying to destroy the work of the disciples. He saw it, this storm, as not just a natural storm of the world order, but he saw it as a furious squall. He saw it as a demonic attack against the kingdom of God. And that's when he stood up and he he rebuked it. And he said, peace be still. And he called and he said, this is not going to happen. I rebuke you. And he took authority over it and immediately the demons and the devils had to uh, to release it. We have to understand that there is a battle that's going on in the unseen world. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. That there is a dark world going on. And that we have the power in the name of Jesus to wage war against the enemies of darkness. And so often we live below our spiritual potential because we don't use the power that we have been given in the name of Jesus. We just cower down and let the enemy defeat us when we need to stand up and say in the name of Jesus, we will prevail because Jesus is Lord over this situation. Jesus is Lord over this situation. And we proclaim that. Amen. Go ahead and praise Him. There are times that we need to just be very clear that nobody but Jesus is going to run this situation. Nobody but Jesus is going to run our family. Nobody but Jesus is going to run this office. Nobody but Jesus is going to run um, this situation over here. Maybe at work. Maybe... um, over here in this relationship, nobody but Jesus, we declare that Jesus is Lord over this situation. Very interesting that in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 4, Jesus uses the same word for rebuke of the demon in the synagogue and the, uh, and the winds and the waves of this storm. What kind of winds and waves have been beating against your house What kind of winds and waves have been beating against your job? What kind of winds and waves have been beating against your family? Could it be it's time that you take a stand, not in your own power, not in your own words, but you take a stand in the name of Jesus and say, I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus. Well, let's be very practical. We know that We experience the power of his word. And we experience the power of his protection. That's what we see here, that he has protected us. So what do we do? Very practically, what do we do when the storms come? You see it in your your program. There's four things. And so this week, I want you to just re- review this. Uh, I want you to, first of all, I want you to look up. What do you do when, you, when the storm comes? I want you to look up. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. I want you to just read that. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Look up. That's the passage of scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff will be added unto you. Also in this passage of scripture, he talks about don't worry and don't stress out over it. God knows you need this. He's going to take care of it. So look up and say, God, I am trusting you. The storm is coming. God knows you need this. God knows you need this. Give it over. Go after him. Seek him. Ask him. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Okay? So look up. Second thing, I want you to look around. Is there anything that is hindering you from becoming the person that God has created you to be? I started the message by talking about Jesus has a better way, a better plan. Well, what's keeping you from that? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, throw off everything that hinders you, everything, uh, every kind of weight. And I want you to go after it. I want you to run with perseverance. Throw off those things that are hindering you and I want you to go after it. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. So I want you to look around. Is there anything that you need to, any kind of distraction, anything, throw it off. Then I want you to look ahead. James chapter one, I want you to count it as pure joy when those tests and those difficulties, trials come your way because that testing is going to produce faith and that faith is going to produce perseverance. And here's the point. I want you to look ahead because God is going to complete what he started. God is going to complete what he started. God is going to finish what he started. And then I want you to look back. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us. While we're sinners, Christ died for us. What am I saying? That when Christ died for us, look back. The victory has already been won. We are are victors in Jesus' name. The victory is won. We are victors in Jesus' name. So we can look back at the cross and know that Jesus, when he came out of that grave, Jesus defeated death hell and the grave. And when Jesus defeated death, hell and the grave, we are victor uh, victorious in Jesus name. So you are victorious in him. Amen. Amen. And amen. Let's give him praise. So what kind of storms are you going in, going through? God is here. He's here to help you. Let's stand together. We're going to pray today. This is not going to be praying and run. This is going to be pray and wait. We've got a couple of minutes here. And I just want you to open up your heart. And I just want you to receive what God has for you. I want you to come to God and say, God, I want you to move in my life. What is it that you need God to do in your life right now? What is it? Some of you have got these decisions that you need to make you need to just call say God I need help I need you to close those doors that I'm not to walk through and open it up the door I'm supposed to walk through make it clear some of you are struggling with some health decisions some of you are behind in some areas and you need for God to make a way where there seems to be no way you know what you need some of you are backslidden and you need to God for just to wipe your slate clean he's here to do that What is it you need God to do? I just want you to let faith arise. And I want you to let His presence move upon you. Here's what we're going to do. Very practical. You may feel uncomfortable with this. Um, I want you to go to a posture of receiving. Just put your hands out just like this. Just like this. And I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, our hands are open like this as a sign to you saying to you that we're open to receive what you have for us. God, we're open to receive. And so, Father, we know that we are victorious in Jesus' name. We receive your word. We we receive the word that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath. God, we receive the word that you are Jehovah Rapha, that you are our healer. Father, I receive the word that you are our peace. So now, Lord, I ask that you would move upon this place and that you would bring peace to those families that are struggling. I pray in the name of Jesus, to that husband and that wife, that you have been at odds to each other all week long. And those words that you have shared with one another have been laced with bitterness and anger. I pray in the name of Jesus that today, uh, that those words would be turned uh, and laced with love. I pray that forgiveness would flow right now in the name of Jesus. God, move in this room. God, speak to people right now. Holy Spirit, speak to people. Holy Spirit move in this place. God, I pray that you would move in this place and make some people very uncomfortable. Make it so uncomfortable that they would take that step toward you and they would just cry out to say, Jesus save me. Father, I pray for those people that are in a desperate situation. I pray, God, that this would be the day that their life is changed. That God, that those, uh, the The darkness of their lives, God, would be opened up to a new hope and a new life. I pray, Father, God, that the depression, that those clouds would be broken. I pray, God, that your spirit would begin to fall and that your spirit would start to give peace and your spirit would start to give life. I pray, God, that you would give us a new hope and that you would cause faith to rise up. God, give us faith, God, to believe. Give us faith, God, to believe in you. And Lord, let this place, God, be uh, a recipient of your anointing and your power. We receive this in faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church,